Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I don't know exactly where the Lord brought you from. You don't know exactly where the Lord brought you from. But we all know where the Lord brought us from. And so while there is a uniform sense of worship, Amen. While there's a uniform sense of worship, there's an awful lot of independent, individual senses of worship because we just truly understand that God has been so good, so on time. Hallelujah. So kind, so kind, so kind. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for messages that never lose their power or their impact, their ability to move us. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. If we can stand together, it's a very special day for us. Not only is this our fifth Sunday, and we know that uh, most of the time on a fifth Sunday, that equals for us after our service a great time of food and fellowship, and that's important. But I'll tell you something that's more important to this church family than a, than a meal together or the privilege to sit down and enjoy some fellowship together. Nothing more important to this church than the Word of God. Amen. So the preacher and our, our speaker today is not going to be in our way. She is not going to stand between us and our time of food and fellowship. The main course is about to come. Amen. In addition to our time of food and fellowship, we are also celebrating our 2015 graduates, and we want to honor them today and let them know how much we appreciate their years of endeavor and labor and so we honor Robbie Hall and Erica Land and Tyler Sims today and we're thankful that they are with us we know that it's not an easy thing to to pass through this phase of your life you're going to close one chapter of your life but you're going to open another very very exciting chapter I mean this is not the end but this is the very beginning and so we celebrate with you today and uh, in addition to all of that our guest this morning Sister Lynn Jewett, we just cannot begin to express how, in, in, uh, how utterly encouraged we are that you're with us this morning. We feel so deeply connected to the work in Guatemala on many levels, not just the churches that have been, uh, we have been a part of to build, uh, uh, help build and construct there, and uh, also our relationship with the Thompson family, but then also uh, in most recent years, the investment of not only dollars but of labor that has gone into uh, the children's orphanage there. And we're just excited. And she's going to be sharing a lot of things and updating, I'm confident, uh, a lot of those matters for us. But it's, it's incredible for us to be able to associate a face now and then a personality now and uh, some characteristics now with a name that has just been synonymous with the work in Guatemala for so many, many years, and uh, we're honored. We are just humbled that she is with us today, and I want you to make her welcome as never before. Sister Lynn Jewett, would you come? Thank you. 
Praise the Lord, everyone. You can be seated. Oh, sister, that song, I just love that song. You have to understand, I'm from Canada. I've never used the word ain't in my whole life. But I'll tell you what, ain't nobody ever been good like Jesus. Oh, I love that song. I just feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm being bad by using that word. Oh, I love it. I love you folks already, men alive, driving down this, these roads, back roads. I came from tent. Tallahassee yesterday and I drove and drove and drove and drove and saw a whole lot of nothing really and then then finally at the end of the nothing there's this the Hilton you know the the Hatchbend Hilton I love it it is amazing I am so grateful for you folks and so many of you have been to Guatemala I get to meet your families and know who you are and it's just wonderful the connection that you feel when you walk in the doors and I'm so grateful for this church and for your pastor. Of course, we, we have fun tormenting your pastor because he came to work <laughs> on a project. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you can go ahead and start up that PowerPoint and get the pictures going or I'll get carried away forever and he'll never forgive me again. But I am so grateful to be here. Folks, this day is so awesome and amazing. Not only am I in the best church ever, I've been in the last two weeks in Florida. I promise you this has been the most exciting. And, and, and plus, the today is my last day. I am done. This is it. I am finished. I'm going back home. I am so excited. You, you are looking at the most blessed missionary on the planet. I promise you, I started traveling January 1st of this year, and I raised all of my partners within seven weeks. It was amazing, amazing. I, I needed 70 partners, and I got those in that amount of time. So I asked if I could continue traveling till the end of May for the orphanage. And so they gave me permission to do that. So that's why I've still been traveling until today. Hallelujah. I just might get my shout on just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm so excited. But I do want to share with you a few things from Guatemala so you know what people are talking about. Those of you that haven't been there yet, future tense, you know, like it can happen still. Um, those of you that haven't been there yet, so you know what we're talking about. And I'm just so happy to be able to share a little bit with you folks this morning. So you can just go to the first picture. Yes, Guatemala is the land of eternal spring. When I left to travel January 1st, it was minus 35 in Canada. So if you ever wondered why there's so many Canadian missionaries, there's your answer. You know, <laughs> Guatemala is 70 degrees year-round. We are so, I tell you, I am the spoiledest missionary on the planet. I just tell you. Now, you can drive 45 minutes down the mountain, um, kind of what you fellas that went to work on the church in Dolores, you know, it can be 100 degrees in the shade, and it can be humid, and, and that's just what can happen. Uh, but hallelujah, I live up in the mountain a mile high and where it's just perfect, and I am blessed. Go ahead. If those of you that don't know where it is, now if you just drive over to Brownsville and then you drive for about five more days, you'll get there. You just go south. Just keep going south because we're the country right after Mexico and we border on Mexico, Belize, El Salvador, um, Honduras, and the Pacific and the Caribbean coast. So we got a whole bunch of borders. Anyway, go ahead. A uh, little bit about the country, not very much. Some people like statistics. Some people, if you don't want to know, just don't even listen. 14 million people. When you think Guatemala, you think Spanish, right? Well, 56%, more than half, Spanish is not their first language. We have 23 languages and 51 variations of that. But on any given Sunday, we have church in 16 languages. 
besides Spanish. Isn't that awesome? We are reaching all of the villages around. We are so excited about what God is doing. Uh, when you go to a Mayan village, the, all of you ladies will be dressed exactly the same. And you would have the same embroidered blouses called a whoopil. And everybody here, all you ladies, don't have to worry about what you're going to wear to church on Sunday because it's going to be the same thing that you wore last Sunday and the same thing that you wore yesterday. Now, your skirt is six to nine yards of material that is just wrapped around and around and around. Now, this long belt, and they pull it till you can't breathe. Now, I have one of those skirts, but I cheat, and I have a zipper. I don't have that much faith. I know exactly what would happen if I tried that. And, and so they think I, I cheat because I just kind of don't do it like the real way. But that skirt is made that way so that today you can wear it for a whole week because you wrap it around and then you tie it so you can't breathe. And then tomorrow you move it over and you wrap it around, front and back's clean. And the next day you move it over and you wrap it around, front and back's clean. So you, it really is designed to wear for the whole week. So, man, you just love that. You only had to buy your wife one skirt a week. Isn't that awesome? They never have to change. It's that same one. They just keep moving it. Just keep moving it. It'll last another day. <laughs> That's how they do. Go ahead. Um, a little bit about who I am. I've been there for 26 years. Next year will be half of my life. So you can do the math, but don't do it out loud. Just in case somebody else can't figure it out, okay? Um, I have three major responsibilities, children's ministries. I'm children's ministry coordinator for Central America, Caribbean, Mexico. So I get to travel around our region and do kids' ministry, teacher training, um, kids' prayer, kids' crusades. And I think last year I was in eight different countries doing things. It's been amazing with the things that, that God has allowed me to do. And I'll share a little bit about that. Um, I'm also the administrator of our Bible school. This year, we have 608 students in our Bible school. Isn't that awesome? We are the second largest Bible school. Amen. That's Brother Brad's heartbeat and his vision, and he has done phenomenal. I just keep track of the paperwork. That's my job. Um, and then my third job, of course, on my spare time is the orphanage. And so I am president of home, and you'll hear some more about that. So go ahead. Uh, just kind of an over. There's our missions team from last year, and you folks will recognize some of those people. There's Brother Brad and Sister Regina. Now, Tyrell just got his license about three weeks ago, so like pray for us all. And um, actually, uh, please remember Anthony in prayer, their oldest son. He is headed to Korea on the 5th of June, and he's, it's his first deployment. Of course, he's excited. Thank you, sir. The rest of the family, not so much, but... <laughs> Um, God knows why he has him in the army, and he's thrilled, and he's serving his country, and he is so thrilled to be doing it. So keep him in your prayers. And there's Brother Luke and Sister Samantha. Um, Brother Luke and, and Samantha are here in the States. After four and a half years, she finally got her U.S. visa. So they've been able to be here, and, and they've been evangelizing and traveling around the U.S., uh, and then Sister Jackie's still there, and of course, Sister Amber is behind me. She has glasses. She used to work for New Beginnings, and we have hired her to be the director of the orphanage. So she is there permanently, and we have quite a team. I, I want to share with you the team because, just so you know, it's not just me by myself. It's not just Brother Brad that we're all working together for the kingdom. Amen? Go ahead. A uh, little bit more about our country. Uh, think Tennessee. The country of Guatemala is about the same size as the state of Tennessee, and we have 203 churches, 227 ministers, 
161 preaching points, over a thousand cell groups. You know what cell groups are? Like a home fellowship where you have a Bible study in your living room and you invite your neighbors and friends. Brother Rosales, our president of the work, he uh, has a thousand, I'm sorry, he has 82 cell groups in his one church. And they have anywhere from 15 to 50 in each group. And every three months, they invite anybody who has been in a cell group to come to Friends Day. And the last time I was at their Friends Day, they had 1,500 people at their Friends Day. You talk about growing. And that church, they have to sign up for church on Sunday. Pastor preaches the same message four times. And he preaches at 8, 10, 2, and 4. But you have to sign up beforehand because there won't be room unless you've already signed in because they only have so much room. So they bought a building beside, and they're hoping to expand. So I guess maybe you might get to go to church twice on Sunday once they get it done. That would be exciting for them. And on Sunday, we have more than 20,000 people gathered together worshiping Jesus throughout the country of Guatemala. Isn't that awesome? Go ahead. Uh, I took this picture about a year ago. This was just the churches from the city. We have 54 churches in the capital city, and we got together and had a convention. There were over 7,000 people. I was standing on the edge of the platform, and I took this picture, and I got tickled. Because when I looked out in the crowd, what happened was they had the altar call, and so everybody came to the front. Well, the guys in the front row said, oh, we need more room. So they handed their chair to the guy in the second row. And the guy in the second row handed his, those two chairs to the guy in the third row. When I took the picture, there's no chairs. All of the chairs were lined up against the back of the building. It was one great big altar call. It was amazing. There wasn't one of those 7,000 people sitting down. Everybody was worshiping God. It was so beautiful. I think we had 265 got the Holy Ghost. Mm -mm. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, Bible schools, we have 27 throughout the country. Isn't that awesome? And two of them under construction. Now, about four or five weeks ago, we had a group of of apostolic men from Oklahoma came. They flew to Guatemala City. They got on a bus, and they rode it for nine hours up into the mountains. And they went through the clouds, and they kept on going for another hour. It's amazing up there because when you're standing on the side of the cliff, like the the clouds are like way down there. It's kind of like being on an airplane when you're still standing on the ground. And that's where they went and put a roof on the Bible school. And I'll show you a drawing of it in a minute. But it's so exciting that we're building a Bible school above the clouds. And then in Coban, we're building one in the clouds. And it's called the Cloud Forest that always has like a misty fog. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they call that, here's a new word for you, cheapy cheapy. I love that word. I just think it's so funny. They call it cheapy cheapy. And it's the misty out of the, off the fog. That's kind of how that that always is in the air is that kind of just fogginess in the clouds. And so we're building a Bible school there. So we've got a Bible school below the clouds in Guatemala City, in the clouds, and above the clouds. I hope I'm teaching them the one above the clouds when Jesus comes back. That means I go first. I'll meet you there, okay? Go ahead. We have 608 students. I forgot to mention that. 608. Can you believe that? And on Monday nights, some of you folks have been to the Bible school, and I think you may have even worked on some of it. Um, 174 students come through those doors every Monday night for six years. It is amazing to see what God is doing in our Bible school. Go ahead. This is what it looks like inside. It's four stories high. Eventually, we hope to buy the whole block so that um, we can have more room. We keep running out of space, but anyway, God knows. Go ahead. Uh, this is the drawing of the campus that they came to put the, the roof on. This is right on the highway. And so the Oklahoma men put the roof on this side and probably two-thirds of the way across the back. 
and now by the end of this month, they should have it all finished, and we'll be able to have classes there in the month of July. Isn't that exciting? Now, above the clouds, we're going to have people studying the Word of God. It's so exciting. Go ahead. <clears throat> Reaching a nation through Bible school training, I believe that's how it's done. I'm never going to learn 23 languages, but they can come to Bible school and take the message back to their village. Do you know what I believe the job of a missionary is? To work yourself out of a job. That's the whole point of being there, is to train them so they can carry on the gospel to their people. And that is truly what God is doing, and I'm so excited to be a part of that. Go ahead. Um, oh, Cheese for Christ. Have you folks ever given a Cheese for Christ offering? Awesome. Just before I tell you about the Cheese for Christ, I forgot to mention, Bible school, because of your mother's memorial offering, I went through my reports, and we receive about $600 a month every month from the Mother's Memorial Fund to help our pastors come to Bible school. So, ladies, your offering does make a difference. It makes it possible for our pastors that do not have very much money, that live in dirt floor homes and adobe houses, but they can come to Bible school because of your sacrifice. Thank you, ladies, for what you do to make Bible school happen. Now, She's for Christ, that's young people. I am very grateful for She's for Christ, too, because if it wasn't for them, I would be riding the bus like that. Well, honestly, I never did ride on top. The skirt thing doesn't really work well while up there. So I have done the back, the ladder on the back, and a lot of times, most days, in the door. My first three years there on the AIM program, Associates and Missions, helping the missionary, I didn't have a vehicle. So I rode the buses every day. And where the buses came by were always full. So if I got one foot and one hand in, I was on. And so one day, I was barely hanging off the edge, and um, I thought, oh, my goodness, how many people are between me and the bus driver? You know those three little steps on a school bus? Well, there were 22 of us between the bus driver and me. There were, then I thought, my Lord, how many's on this bottom step? There were seven of us. And that's why there wasn't room for 14 feet on that bottom step. And so you had to take turns, or sometimes if there's a gentleman, they'd let me put two feet in and he'd hang out. And I learned a lot of lessons. You see, you don't hang on to the backpack ahead of you because sometimes they rip. And so I um, also learned that you hang on to the door. You know that accordion door? I would wrap my hand around that accordion door and put my one foot in, and I was on. And that's the way I would go to Bible school every morning. I got robbed about once a week. You know, I got a dollar sign on my forehead since I'm white, so white persons have money. And so uh, I carried rob money. There was 10Q in this pocket and 10Q in this pocket, and everything else was hidden all over the place. So that's how I got by, and I literally got robbed about once a week. Four times a month. I'll tell you, that's just how it happened. Now, the next picture is the She's for Christ car that you folks bought me. Thank you, young people, for your offering. Isn't that awesome? Now, this is the She's for Christ car I had, as in past tense. You remember the picture of the door into the Bible school, that kind of archway? Well, I was going in that door one day. And I had about $1,000 in my purse worth of Katsalas to buy the prizes. You know when you give your mother's memorial offering and your sheets for Christ, the churches that give the highest, they get prizes? Well, we do the same thing. Our people make maybe $3 a day, but they give to God. After every service, the ladies cook and the funds that they raise uh, goes toward their, um, their ladies' offering. Uh, our men sell drinks. They do all kinds of stuff to raise funds. And I'll tell you what, that's what helps 
and teaches them to give to God, and God blesses. And so this was the day I was buying the prizes. So I had about $1,000, and I had a water bill and all that kind of stuff that I was going to go pay. And um, so I was at the door, and my plan was, when I got there, the ladies were going to help me. See, when I go shopping, the prices double. And so I go and look at stuff, and want the yellow one and the blue one, and check out that fan, and look at this over here, and we'll go look at stuff, and then the ladies will go back in and get it half price. We get our little system down. And so I had the money in my bag. So I go to open the door, and when I did, a truck pulled up behind me, and four men with guns got out. And one came and put a gun to my head and pushed me through the door. The other stood in the door, and the other two with their automatic rifles stood on the street. And so when he pushed me through the door, I was like, seriously? Right here and now? And he was right, like here. And he said, give me the keys to the car. Well... It's insured. She's for Christ. Everybody loves me. Okay, so I gave them my keys like really, really fast. But then when he grabbed my purse, I got what I like to call a holy anger. It was like, I don't think so. That's God's money, and I'm not about to give it to a robber. I don't think so. You can shoot me first. Like, I don't think so. And it just welled up within me. I was so mad that he would consider taking God's money. And so when he took the, the one handle of my purse... My inside there, of course, our money, when you go shopping, it's never just in a wallet. Like, it's wrapped in a grocery bag. It's inside a book. You hide it. And I guess a stack like that high. And I got it wrapped in a grocery bag down in there. And when he grabbed the, the purse, my wallet flung open, and the ca- you could see my cash. So I pulled out my cash. It was about $200, and I threw it at him. And I took the wallet and threw it behind me. He dropped the bag with the thousands in it and never knew it was there. He took my cash and took off running. God is so awesome. And they were like, good riddance, hallelujah, good praise God, they're gone. So the next day, I'm back at the Bible school. We had a GATS meeting, Global Association of Theological Studies. So our, we had Bible school teachers from four or five countries come. And uh, Brother Jim Poitras was there from headquarters. It was a big deal. So I went, walked in the door, and I borrowed the AIM-mobile. You folks have probably remember the AIM-mobile. You know, you have to stand on the brakes to make it stop. And sometimes when you're driving down the road, it just changes Uh, lanes by itself Um, yeah it's one of those kind that you pray every time you get in the aim mobile it is still there it is still sort of running but I I, I just don't like riding it anymore I I had a flat tire actually um, ran out of brakes up in the mountain I mean yeah I've had everything happen in that crazy thing anyway so I borrowed the aim mobile and I came um, to the Bible school for the event, and I went in, and the cook met me, and she said, oh, Sister Linda, isn't God good? I said, oh, God is so good to me. He's blessed me. And I said, you know, God allowed me to protect everything that was his. And then she looked at me, and she said, yes, God protected what was his. You did not die. And I was like, well, yes, I am grateful that I didn't die yesterday. That was good. So I go into the meeting, and I'm on the front row, and Brother Brad's teaching, and we got tables, and I'm taking notes. I said, this is awesome. He's doing amazing. Oh, my goodness, this is an awesome lesson. He left his phone on silent, and it started vibrating, and it said, Lynn Jewett calling. I'm like, I am not calling him. And I'm taking notes. This is awesome, amazing. And it starts doing it again, Lynn Jewett calling. I am not calling his phone. Why is my phone calling his, his phone? Well, where's my phone? So I go looking for my phone. No phone. So I sneak out of the meeting. I go downstairs to the office. Anybody got my phone? No. So I go outside to the Amobile. Sure enough, they'd smashed the windows, taken the radio, and taken my phone out of the door. Well, I thought, Lord have mercy. How many times can a person get robbed in 24 hours? Like, really? Like, this is just crazy. So I was coming back in the building. Brother Brad finishes teaching upstairs. He's got seven missed calls from me. 
It's like, oh, my goodness, this is serious. Something's wrong. So he came downstairs to find me. So I'm coming in. Those of you who have been there, I'm coming in one end of the garage, and he's coming in the other end of the garage. His phone rings. Lynn Jewett. He says, what on earth? And as soon as he said that, they said, auxilio, ayudo, me, me sequestraron. There was this man talking like a woman saying that I'd been kidnapped, and they wanted money. Well, he's going, um, I don't think she's kidnapped because, like, she's standing right there. So I only got pretend kidnapped. I didn't really get kidnapped. You have to understand in Guatemala, it's a possibility. We only have the second most kidnappings in the world, and we even have express kidnappings. Two hours, you go to the gas station, pick up your family, and it's only 15000 That's That's express kidnapping. But anyway, I'm grateful that neither one happened to me. God is good. But do you know what? That bothered me. Because they began calling everybody in my contact list and saying, um, we want money because we've kidnapped her. And I've been trying to get a hold of everybody. Do not give money. I'm not kidnapped. I'm fine. It's only pretend kidnap. And so it did bother me. And I asked God why. Like, why did my car get stolen? Like, I'm serving Jesus. I'm a missionary. I love God. And, and where are my angels? Like, did they take a coffee break or what? Like, they just, my car got stolen. Why didn't the car of somebody who doesn't love Jesus get stolen? Why did mine get stolen? Like, Lord, where were you? And then a gun to the head? Seriously. And then a pretend kidnap on top of that? Like, I was up to here. And I began to ask God why. And I really did. I asked God why that had to happen to me for 12 months. I asked God. 12 months later, I'm at a, a retreat for missionary women from around the world, interdenominational. And I go in, and, and there's people from all over, the, all over the world. And at noontime, there were tables. There was a table for, like, homeschool, and moms could talk about how they teach their kids when they're overseas. And one where if you have elderly parents at home, how you deal with that emotionally. And I sat at the table for um, living in a violent nation. And, of course, I had the best stories because I've been Rob born any of and uh, we, we got sharing things, and people began talking about how they felt. And when it came around to me, by this time, I was like, you know what? I do have a question. I want to know why God left me that day and why he did not protect me from that situation. I want to know why. Well, there was a little lady sitting beside me. She's tall, blonde. She's been a missionary for 18 months. I've been there 26 years. She reaches over, and she takes my hand, and she said, Sister Lynn, I know why. And I said, will you please tell me why? And by this time, I'm crying. She said, one year ago, I began to think, and I began to pray, God, what would I do if my child was kidnapped or if I had a gun to my head? Would the calling on my life be enough to keep me here, or would I pack my bags and run? And she looked at me, and she said, you stayed? I stay. And that's when I realized life isn't always about me. Sometimes we go through things for somebody else. See, I went through her worst nightmare. Now she will never have to. I didn't know why, but 12 months later, God showed me that sometimes we go through situations in life. It's not because we've done anything wrong. In fact, the opposite. He's trusting you with the situation. See, God trusted me. He knew it wouldn't even cross my brain that I could pack my bag and leave. I never even thought of it. Like, why would I do that? I just get robbed again. It just never even occurred to me. But God knows the situation that you're in. You know, I know so many people, they face cancer. They face uh, whatever kind of infirmities and illness and family situations and divorce and death. All the things that we face in life. 
And so many times we say, God, why? I've served you with my heart my whole life. And now this? Well, you know, sometimes it's not about you. Maybe it's about the person in the bed next to you that needs to know that there's a Jesus that loves them too. Maybe it's about the person at the doctor's office that's sitting beside you as you're chatting. I serve a God that's going to see me through every kind of situation. You see, it's not always about me. Sometimes it's about somebody else. I also know that in Jeremiah 29 and 11, it talks about the plans and thoughts I have for you are for, to prosper and not to harm. And when I read that, actually I, was, I heard someone preach about it. They talked about it's plans, plural. There's not just one plan for your life. You see, there's plans. There is a future. There is more that he has for you in every single day. See, he has a plan for you today. There's a plan for you to be right here right now. There's a plan for you tomorrow, and there's a plan for you next week and next year. He has a plan for your life. And I'm so grateful that I finally understood that no matter what I face, he's going to be there. And he did not leave me. He was right there the whole time. And he had a purpose and a plan. His ways are much higher than our ways. We can't always see the plan and the future that he has for us, but we can trust him. So folks, today, if any of you are facing any sort of a situation, trust him. Trust him. Because there is a purpose and there is a plan for your life today. Let's just worship God for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we can trust you in every situation. God, I put my life in your hands once again. And I thank you, Jesus, that we can trust you through every situation. Lord, have mercy. God, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Children's ministry, this is my heart and my passion. This is where I'm at. Go ahead. Um, this picture is amazing. Uh, as I told you, I do children's ministry around our region and different parts of the world. And uh, this picture is actually from Cuba. I've been, as a Canadian, I can go there quite easily. Of course, every time you go, you get into one situation or not. Of course, I find trouble wherever I go, it seems. I've been robbed there, and I've been kicked out of a hotel in the middle of the night, and um, I've had the police come after me, and oh my word, what I haven't had happen. But this one, we had, Sister Vicki Simino, they used to be missionaries to Africa. She went with me, and we did three days of teacher training. And the fourth day, we were going to do a kids' crusade. So we're teaching the seminar, and I took Sunday school material for all of the churches and enough for them to have Sunday school all year long and why you need to have Sunday school train up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they would not depart from it. You know, we were teaching all this kind of stuff, and they kept asking me, Sister Lynn, where's your cross? I was like, mm, I don't have a cross. But Sister Lynn, where's your cross? Aren't we having a crusade on, on Sunday? Yeah, we're going to do a kid's crusade on Sunday. Well, where's your cross? Well, I don't have a cross. But so why do I have to have a cross again? Like, I had no idea what they were talking about. I said, well, yes, it's Lynn, a crusade. We've got to carve out a wooden cross. We're going to put it on your back, and you walk through Havana, and we'll have a parade, and that's a crusade. And I was like, um, no, I don't think so. We're not on the same page at all. Uh, a crusade, we're going to have church, and, and this is what we're going to do. So the third day, we began to explain to him what a kid's crusade was going to be. We're going to sing Father Abraham. And we're going to do head and shoulders, knees and toes. And we're going to do hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. And open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And every kind of song I could ever remember and translate Spanish. We're going to do them all. And those kids are going to learn to worship Jesus. 
even though they come from the street, they've never heard a kid song in their life, especially one that worships Jesus. So I, we, we were going to do that. And then, then afterwards, I was going to dress up like a, the old lady from the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4, where her husband had died and owed a debt. And the prophet told her to borrow all the empty vessels that she could find, had little cups that I put all over the building, and all the kids had to help me get all the empty vessels. And then I had a bucket, and it has sins and dirt and rocks and garbage. And I asked them, can we, can we use this bucket? It's a big one. And they're like, no, why not? It's not empty. Well, what, can we clean it out? Sure enough, so then we talk about cleaning out our bucket because you see the oil of the Holy Ghost cannot come into a dirty bucket. We have to have a clean bucket. That's what the Bible says. And so I didn't teach about this. Well, in the explanation on Saturday of what we were going to do on Sunday, 12 got the Holy Ghost. In the explanation. We were explaining how the story was going to go and what we were going to do. And all of a sudden, this little boy stood and began to worship God. Tears flowing down his cheeks, and he got the Holy Ghost. And then the girl behind him, and then the lady over here. We had 12 get the Holy Ghost in the explanation. And, and the president of the work at the time, Brother Saldiva, he came over with tears pouring down his cheeks. He said, Sister Lynn, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I said, what didn't you know, brother? He said, I didn't know the children could get the Holy Ghost. You're looking at the first child in the country of Cuba to receive the Holy Ghost. And God, isn't that amazing? Praise God. The, the very next day we did our kids' crusade. Well, they don't have churches, just have houses, and you have it in the backyard or in the living room. And, and at that time... It was a little more dangerous than it is now. And if you had more than 25 people, folks, we would all go to jail because more than 25 people means a political rally. And so you had to be very careful if you had more than that. And we had way more than that. So what I did is I went and bought birthday cake so that anybody asked, Where, what are you doing, all these people in this building? What are you doing? We're having a birthday party. You want some birthday cake? Here's some. And so I had birthday cake. And so we had birthday parties. We didn't have church. We just had birthday parties everywhere we went. I don't know whose birthday it was, but it didn't matter. And, and I, we just prayed that somebody would get a present and open that present and speak in other tongues. And that would be their special present from the birthday party. And, and then if somebody really got dirty at their birthday party and need all their sins washed away, we would take them down to the ocean and have a have bath. And so that day we had 33 get their present, and 18 took a bath. Isn't that awesome? We're talking about a place where they'd never seen a child receive the Holy Ghost. They had no idea. Uh, You know what? I still feel like the little kid in Sunday school that says, pick me, pick me, and he did. And, and I've been able to go to all of these countries and tell them about Jesus. I went to another country that they did not know children could get the Holy Ghost. In fact, uh, Sunday School Division paid for me to go and do a kids' crusade. And when I got there, the, the board, the, the church board stood behind me and said, Sister Lynn, we didn't want you. We wanted a real crusade. This is kind of a waste of money. But um, here we are, and they brought 2,000 kids. 2,000! And they handed me a microphone and 2,000 kids. It's like, okay then. And so I went over behind the curtains and I had a prayer meeting and said, oh, Jesus, if you ever showed up, please show up now. 
and we began to have church, and we sang, and we worshiped. I mean, I did Father Abraham. You can see me doing Father Abraham at 127 degrees. I literally, you could wring out my clothes. There was puddles, and I didn't have an accent. I mean, it was awful. It was so hot. And he taught those kids about the Holy Ghost, and we worshiped God, and we had a great time. And at the end of the service, we had 275 kids get the Holy Ghost in that service. That, that board member that told me he didn't want me there, he came over to me, and he was still kind of like in a daze. And he said, Sister Lynn, that little boy down there, uh, he's speaking in tongues. And I tried to keep my spirit right. And I looked at him, and I said, well, Pastor, isn't that what happens when you get the Holy Ghost? And he said, yes, ma'am. I said, well, brother, why don't you go down and pray with them, and maybe some more will get the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's a good idea. So he went and got all the board members, and they were the ones that went down and prayed for all of those kids. You know, they weren't mean. It just never crossed their brain that it was a possibility. And God has chosen me to go to these countries and let them know that God is no respecter of persons. The Holy Ghost is for you whether you're six years old or 96 years old. It does not matter. It is for you. It is a gift of God. You get your bucket cleaned out, and God can pour himself in. Amen? Praise God. Go ahead. Uh, a teacher's training. Every year I do a teacher training seminar in different parts of the, the region. Um, in Central America, it's the last weekend in February, and it's always a different country so that it's uh, a blessing to that country. And we have four or 500 teachers and pastors that come to this meeting. Well, one year I had Sister Angie Clark come when she worked for WNOP, and she taught on kids' prayer. And so she taught several wonderful things, and this is one of the teachers that was there. And when she went home, she rode two days on the bus standing up to get there for a two-day seminar to ride two days on the bus going back home. She went back to her little village in Honduras, and she determined in her heart, it's kind of like Hatman, kind of the end of the road, only it was real dirt road, and just a little village and just a, a small church, and um, she said, my kids are going to know how to pray. We might not be a whole lot, but we're going to know how, my kids are going to know how to pray. So about eight months later, she gets sick. She goes to the little clinic down the dirt road, and they give her some medicine, cause her to have an aneurysm, and she burst the blood vessel, and blood began to come out of her nose, ears, mouth, everywhere. And uh, they said maybe three hours, because nothing we can do for her here. And so she was going to die. Well, word got out in the little village that Sarai was going to die. So our little girl, a seven-year-old little girl in their Sunday school class, she came running down the dirt road to that hospital, and she says, i got to go see my teacher. i got to go pray for my teacher. So that seven-year-old little girl named Suli Mar, she went in that hospital. She put her hand on her teacher's head, and this is what she prayed. She said, Lord, you can't take her yet because I have too much to learn. Stop the bleeding. Heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. And she went home. And she looked at all those people in that room crying and praying. She said, I don't know why they're still praying. I pray it's done. See, her teacher taught her, you pray, you believe, and you leave it in Jesus' hands. And so she went home. About three hours later, the bleeding stopped. It took about three weeks for her to get um, her memory back. She had totally, she didn't know who she was or anything. And about three weeks later, her memory came back, and I took this picture three months later when she came to next year's seminar, and she stood and testified about how what she had learned last year literally saved her own life. Wow. 
you never know the plans that God has for you. The next picture is the little girl. This is Sulemar. She's about 10 years old there. I don't live in Honduras, so it took me a while to catch up to her. But when I did, I needed a picture of Sulemar, the little girl that went to the hospital and prayed for her teacher. Go ahead. I couldn't remember if I had another. I have, I have more of those kind of stories. There's four kids in Nicaragua. You can go back to the girl. Just go back to that one. There were four kids in Nicaragua. They were ages 7, 9, 11, and 8. The four of them went door knocking. And now you've got to think Dirt Road Village, okay? This was in Nicaragua. They went there, and they began to invite people to church because they're having revival Friday night. And so these four kids decided, we're going to be evan- we're gonna go e- evangelizing, and we're going to invite all the village to church. And so they went door knocking, these four kids. They got to the door of this one house, and the lady that was there used to be the witch doctor of the community, but she had gotten saved and then turned around and backslid. And so when she hadn't been coming to church, so when those kids got to the door and she opened it, they recognized and they said, oh, sister, you need to come back to church. We miss you. You know Jesus loves you. Well, that woman had a heart attack and fell over on the door and died. Well, those four kids thought, oh, Lord, we killed her. They're just staring. They called the, we called them bomberos there, the EMTs. They came and they checked her all over and sure enough, she was dead. There was nothing they could do. And there, you just lay there until the coroner comes to sign your paper. So um, she just laid there. So these four kids are just kind of standing there. And the family's crying. And everybody's all upset that mama died. And she's in the door. And Lord have mercy. And so those four kids looked at each other and said, we got to pray. We killed her. And so the four got down on their knees, two and two, put their hands on her stomach. And they began to call on God. And they said, God, she needs one more chance. She wasn't ready. She's been away from you, God. she got to give her one more chance. Lord, please just open the doors of heaven. Give her one more chance. Those four kids prayed for one hour. And after an hour, she coughed. She sat up. She went and made coffee. And when the coroner came to sign her death certificate, she said, no dead body here. Want some coffee? And that was the end of it. She came back to church. She gave her heart to God again because he gave her one more chance. See, God is the God of second chances. She had already died, declared dead. But four kids who believed that if you trust God, you, you, you do the lab method. You listen, you figure out what the problem is. If somebody's got a headache and you pray for the big toe, their head is not going to get better. So you got to listen to what the situation is. You got to ask, can I pray for you? You got to be bold and believe and do it in Jesus' name and you leave it in his hands. And that's how we taught those kids to pray. And God is, I could tell you so many of those stories. We got to go. We'll be here all day. Go ahead. I think the next picture is about teacher seminars. Uh, every year we do these seminars and our people pay for their pasaje to get there and um, their, their bus fare. So I like to be able to at least be able to feed them. So that's one of my projects. Then we're to the orphanage and, and, and we're near, near the end. Hallelujah. Homes. H-O-M-E. A home for orphans, ministry, and education. Go ahead. Um, pure religion is caring for orphans, James 1.27. This is something from the Bible, the Word of God, that in our organization, we haven't opened very many of these, but we're, we're, we're kind of breaking all the rules, and we're reaching out to the people in Guatemala. Go ahead. 
Many of you folks have been there. Um, this was our humble beginnings. That's Brother Aaron, our pastor. He used to be involved in jail ministry. And he went to the prisons, and he asked them, how did you folks all get in here anyway? And they began to tell him we were abandoned kids on the street. We got into gangs, got into crime, and that's why we're here. said, you know, if we could reach these kids that are living on the streets, we could make a difference. So he came to us, and, and Brother Rodney, he got involved because they had adopted two children from Guatemala, so he had a heart for Guatemalan kids. And um, we came up with some money to support this ministry for five years. We had a total of 42 children come through those doors. Four were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Several of them were, about, were adopted into Christian homes. Uh, some of them returned to their family. In 2011, we got to a point where uh, all the kids have been placed, and as you can tell, it was substandard. It was just concrete and dirt. At one point, they were cooking over fire. We got them a stove, and it was very primitive. It did not reach any code of any kind. And we began to talk about, you know, if I want to do something for God, I want to do my best. I don't want to do a half job. I want to do it right, and I want to give my all to whatever he's asked me to do. So Brother Rodney came back, and he um, got the public charity 5013C our organization registered here in Florida. And I went to the government in Guatemala. We got registered in Guatemala. And in 2012, we bought property. And then you folks began to come, and so did others. And now we have four acres of land with a wall all the way around the edges with six gates and 13 buildings since 2012. It has been amazing. Uh, go ahead. The, the, this is the administration building that was sponsored by the Louisiana District. And in the back, the larger building, the multipurpose, that was sponsored by Summon Frey here in Florida. And so you folks have been, had a big part in what's happening on the property. Go ahead. The next one, I think, is the boardroom. It's absolutely beautiful. So different than what we had before. Go ahead. Um, these are the houses. There's 10 houses all together. And each house has been sponsored by a church or a, a district. The gold house that you can just see kind of on the edge was sponsored by DeRitter, Louisiana. And I think their story is so neat. Last year they celebrated 100 years of um, and having a United Pentecostal Church in DeRitter. And so their whole community, the mayor, everyone, the councilman, everyone got involved in doing fundraisers to be able to support this orphanage home in, in Guatemala. I thought that was pretty amazing. Go ahead. Now, this is the Florida house, and if you look real good, you'll find some people that you might recognize. I'm not sure which group this one is. Oh, I see Daryl back there. Is Toby there? He must be there somewhere. I'm not sure, but anyway, there's, that was what the house looked like in the beginning. Now, go ahead. Uh, it's had lots of changes. It's a different color. We painted it. I don't know how many different colors so far, but this one I love. It's kind of a burnt orange for the sunset in Florida. I think it's perfect. It looks so beautiful. Go ahead. Um, there's what the kitchen. Ladies, a lot of you ladies have given to this fund to have the furnishings. That's the kitchen. This is what it looked like before the tile. I think the next picture is the tile in the kitchen. Oh, no, I didn't put that one in. Sorry. This is what it looks like now. Of course, Alabama had a porch, so then Florida had to have a porch. So now we've got a porch on the front with the big um, columns. It's absolutely beautiful. Go ahead. Uh, there's the back door, and it looks really good. Go ahead. That was the last crew that was, that was there that worked on it, and uh, they did some broken uh, tile and made the sign with the Florida house. Well, I think that's Brother Daryl down in there too. 
Man, he's just always there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so the Florida house is looking so beautiful. Thank you for making that possible. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing in Guatemala. It's been awesome. It's been just amazing. Go ahead. Um, we had a Sunday school department give us funds for the playground. I'm going to hurry. Go ahead. Uh, this is the library. We're so excited about that. We've got all kinds of books. A, a group of three teenagers raised funds on GoFundMe, and they sent us $3,333, and we were able to buy books and uh, the bookshelves and all that kind of stuff. It was awesome. Go ahead. Uh, there's Sister Amber in our donation room. Uh, we're going to be having a backpack project, and that will be on the website soon. There are bookmarks for everybody with the websites and everything on it. Go ahead. Uh, why Guatemala? The next one is the statistics are terrible. Go ahead. There's 370,000, according to UNICEF, 370,000 kids live on the street. Right now, there are 30,000 in detention centers in Texas under the age of 12 that their families have sent them to America because Obama's going to sign a paper and they'll be legal. And so they are in detention centers. 30,000 kids under 12. They don't understand why their parents sent them away. 90% of the kids on the street have been abused. Every two hours, a 10 to 14-year-old little girl becomes pregnant. Uh, we have a, an orphanage that we're uh, very close to in Oasis, and they have 120 girls under the age of 14 that are pregnant, and that's who they have in that orphanage. It is just a sad situation. Every week there are 10 children that are killed by violence, half of that by gunfire, every single week. There is such a need. Go ahead. I want to see happy, healthy kids that know about Jesus. No matter what they've faced, no matter what they've seen in their life already, God can make a difference. Go ahead. You can partner with us. This is where I'm at. I still need $150 partners. Today's my last day, and I just got to trust God that it's going to happen. So help me pray that God supplies uh, the needs that we have. We've got buildings, we've got furniture, we've got dishes, we've got everything we need, but now I need to buy, I pay staff and buy food. So that's where our projects are right now. Go ahead. Um, just an example, we're paying $1,500 a month for electricity. I had to pay for 15 light poles to come in from the highway to bring electricity. Go ahead. Um, I, we're paying $1,000 a month in security so that we can keep the bad guys out. Go ahead. Um, we still have landscaping to do, and I believe Rodney, Brother Rodney's planning to come in July, and he's hoping to finish up with the, the landscaping, so we still need about $7,000 to do some landscaping before we have our first kids in August. Go ahead. Um, seven to give 1,000. I'm not sure really what happened there, but it all got messed up. But anyway, landscaping and walkways, go ahead. 14 to give 500, and that would do it. Um, there's some happy, healthy kids that we're going to have one day on our orphanage. Go ahead. Uh, changing the world one life at a time, that is our motto. Changing the world one life at a time. That's what's going to happen. Go ahead. Each one of those homes will have space for 10 children, and there's 10 homes, so that's 100 children. When we are at full capacity, that's what we will have. Go ahead. Uh, one more story. You good for one more story? 1989, I went to Guatemala, and the Dross were the missionaries. Sister Dross had this elementary school. We had about 140 kids. And this little girl, her name is Ida Shleda. She did kindergarten up to sixth grade. And when Brother Brad came back, he had to decide, is this going to be an elementary school or a Bible school? 
And in order to reach the nation, we decided to close the elementary school. And it was the proper decision. It was the right decision. You've seen what God has done. So these kids had to find another school. And right down the street was a Catholic school. So she went to Catholic school for middle school and high school and graduated. And she married a Catholic man from that school. And he became an accountant. And a couple years later, she had a little girl. And a couple years after that, she came to the Bible school door. And she said, Sister Lynn, do you remember me? Well, I recognized her. She said, I'm Irene Schleda. I went to school here. And she said, one day in fifth grade, in devotions, I got the Holy Ghost. And I now have a two-year-old little girl, and I want her to have that same experience. Twenty years later, she came back because she remembered that experience that she had with God. You can't run from God. Once you've had that experience, it is something that you will always covet. And that, that little girl, she came to the door, that lady, she was now, and she said, I, I need my little girl to have the same experience. So well, we don't have an elementary school, but here's the church. So we went around back to the church, and she started coming to the church, and uh, she began to come faithful, and she gave her heart to the Lord again, and she won her husband to the Lord, and then she won her mom to the Lord, and then her two brothers and their wives, and then her dad and her stepmom, and their three kids and their spouses and their grandma and their cousin, and like half the church over here, she had won to the Lord. Because when she was in fifth grade, she had an experience with God. The next picture is her and her husband just graduated in January from the six-year program in Bible school. She brought, they brought their whole family every Monday night. Grandma came and stayed in the cafeteria with the three kids, while, and they did their homework while Mom and Dad went to Bible school for six years. She's now the Sunday school director of the Central Church, and he's the head usher. They're involved in church. They love God. They're the kind of people that I depend on when I need help. And I'll tell you what, it's because when she was in fifth grade one day, she had an experience with God. See, I want to have Irish ladies like that. I want to have kids that come off the street. They've been abused and neglected and don't know that somebody loves them. And I want them to know that Jesus loves them. And I want them to have an experience with God and become soul winners in years to come. And, you know, I am so blessed because I've been there 26 years. So I remember Irish Leda when she was in kindergarten. I remember her when she was in school. And now to see 20 years later, here she comes back again with her family. Oh, what an incredible experience. What an incredible blessing of God to do what he has asked us to do. The next um, slide is a verse. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It comes from the story of Esther when she was taken from her family. She was already an orphan. She was living with her uncle. And then she gets taken up and taken to the palace. I'm sure she asks God, why? What have I done wrong? Little did she know the plans that God had for her were to save her own people. What plans does he have for you? I don't live here. I don't work where you work. I don't go to school where you go to school. I know it's summer vacation now, but I, when you're at Walmart, when you're at the gas station, every single day is an opportunity. And who knoweth whether thou art called to the kingdom for such a time as this? We've all all been called and chosen you know you don't get the holy ghost just to keep it inside it'll die it has got just like fire it's got to keep consuming it got to keep going who knoweth whether you have been chosen for such a time as this are you the key 
to your family, to your neighborhood, to the people around you? Are you the key at your job? Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom of Sagittarius? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.